Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. All right. Hey, we're getting after it today. We're kicking off a brand new series, a collection of talks. If you're new to the whole church thing, we, we do messages in series. And all that means is we take a subject and then we talk about it until everybody's sick and tired of talking about it. And then we move on to something else. And so it happens to be the first week, because this is Valentine's week, right? This is love is in the air. And so we're kicking off a series called Uncensored, talking about love, sex, dating, relationships. We're just talking about it all. So quick, quick little uh, word to every parent in the room. If you have a child in the room that should be in our Elevate Kids area, that's preschool, that's elementary school, and you don't want them to be in the room today, this is a great time for you to check it out. You can take them now. You got some time. I'm just saying, I'm throwing that out there because, uh, and they should be in there every single week because we don't just, that's not childcare that happens back there. They are teaching Jesus on their level, on a level that they can understand. In fact, can we give it up for all of our Elevate Kids workers? They are amazing. And one of the reasons they're amazing is because they're watching your kids right now. Amen. Praise God for that, right? And so we love them. But I'm being serious when I say we are telling them about Jesus in a way that they can understand. That is leadership development that's happening across the hall. Uh, But if you have middle schoolers and high schoolers, they should be in this room. They need to hear, we all need to hear what God's word says about love, sex, dating, relationships, about all of it. So Colby, who is this series for? It's for everyone in this room. If you're single, this is for you. If you're single and looking to mingle, raise your hand and look around. This is for you. If you are single and not ready to mingle, this is also for you. If you have been married for 25 plus years, this is for you. If you have been married for two days, I did a wedding yesterday morning, like this is for for you, uh, if you are, if you are uh, in a relationship and on Facebook it says it's complicated, <laughs> this is definitely for you, okay? If you're in vertical youth here with our Elevate students, this is for you. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, this is for you. Because here's what I've come to find out. Like, age really plays no part in the issues that we have in our relationships. Uh, you have had them or you are having them. And it, and it starts early, does it not? In fact, it starts in, the, in early grades. I want to show you some breakup letters that I found from kids in elementary school. Check these out. Here's the first one. It says, Dear Janet, I think we should break up. I would tell you why, but I'm having a tough time describing my feelings. So I drew a picture of me riding a giraffe instead. I love that. That would be me right there. Girl, I just want to break up. But here's a giraffe. Check this out, right? Take a look. I love that. Here's the next one. Sean, I'm breaking up with you. You have not talked to me since the day you asked me out. That was three months ago. (laughs) You need to get it together or you will never get married and that wad be sad. You should get married, just not to me, right? I love that too. (laughs) You're going to get married. I'm not the one. Uh, How about this one? I'm angry at you and I'm not talking to you today and tomorrow. P.S. all day. PSS, I still love you. You're still my boo, though, right? Like, that's confusing. That's, you know a woman wrote that. Here we go. 
My mom says, we can't be boyfriend and girlfriend anymore, so we will have to break up. P.S. Your breast stinks. <laughs> Don't you love the honesty with kids? Like, hey, it's kicking, just so you know. Dear Sarah, I like Sam now, and she wants to be my new girlfriend. Sorry. <laughs> love Alex. Put up another one. Um, this is from Delandre to Crystal. I'm breaking up with you. P.S. Happy anniversary, though. One month, girl, we made it. It's like one month. Not really. I'm still breaking up with you, but we made it, but I'm breaking up with you. Isn't it fascinating that our, our infatuation with love starts at a very early age? And we could simply explain that away and say, well, it's fairy tales that do that. You know, the Shreks and the, the Cinderella's and, and those Disney, you know, classics of, of the world. That's kind of what, what sets love in our hearts early on. But I would disagree. I think there is a better explanation for our fascination with love, and it's a biblical one, and here it is. You were created in the image of God, and in 1 John, he tells us that God is love, so you were created by love to love. Like, this is, this is inside every single one of us. You could say it another way. If you are a human being, love is in your DNA. It just is. It's a part of who you are, and listen, there are not a lot of things that people can all agree on in this world. Uh, for example, is God real or not real? Maybe you're doing that debate. There's a lot of differing opinions on that. Uh, people disagree on what's better, Chevy or Ford. Where are my Chevy people at in the room? Chevy people? All right, Ford people? Yeah, see, you guys can go duke it out in the parking lot after we're done. We just started a fight right there. There's a, not a lot that we can agree on. For example, who's the GOAT? Is it MJ or LeBron? That's not even a question. It's MJ. We know it's MJ. Or we, we can disagree on this. Who's going to win today, the 49ers? Or the Chiefs? Or where the who cares? It's not even a game. It's the wrong teams all together, people. Just say there's a lot that we disagree on, but here's one thing that we can all agree on, and that is love is special. We all believe that. Like, we're, we're wired for that. Love is special. The problem in, like, fairy tale kind of love is not the fact that um, it's, it makes love the center of the story because love is worth it. We believe that. The problem with fairy tales are that they set an unrealistic expectation of how love is, is, is made and maintained. It's very unrealistic. In fact, if, if you were to ask any pastor or counselor, they would tell you the number one issues that we all have in relationships are unmet, unrealistic expectations. You bring your expectations into it, and when they go unmet, that's frustration. In fact, disappointment is the gap between what you expect and what you experience, between what you expect and the reality that you are going through. So even in a marriage, if you are expecting one thing and that's not what's happening, you're disappointed or you are, are frustrated. I'll put it like this. Kristen and I, in 2003, we went to Cedar Point, because they were opening up a ride called the Top Thrill Dragster. And I love it, zero to 120 in like three seconds. It only lasts like 30 seconds, the ride in total, something like that, maybe even shorter, it might be 13 seconds, I don't know. But it was the first year of it, and so we waited in line for four hours. And you know what? I loved it. Didn't care, because what I was going to do. You can contrast that, though, with Kristen and I on a date night trying to watch a movie on Netflix, and it'll sit there and buffer for two minutes, and we lose our minds. 
The waiting wasn't the issue. Are you with me? It was the expectation of how long we would have to wait. And similarly with love. Love is not the issue. It's our expectations that we bring of what love is and what love looks like and how we should function in love in our lives. And so I'm going to help you today, but I'm going to need your help. Because uh, no matter what I preach, if you come into this with your own set of expectations, no matter how ingrained they are into your, your life, this is going to be difficult over the next few weeks to receive. And so here's what I'm asking you to start with. Can we all just hit the reset button? on our expectations, and let the one who invented love in the first place tell us what love is and what it looks like. Are you with me? We need to start there. Let's let him and his word reset our expectations of love and relationships. Here's the problem. Many of us don't go to God to establish those expectations. In fact, God is often the last place that we look. When it comes to our expectations for love and relationships, we often go to, to three other places. One place we go to are rom-coms. Make some noise if you like rom-coms in the room. See, that was just estrogen. That's how it, They're, I guess, they're all right. Some of them, you know, are mid a, a little bit, rom-coms. Like, I don't know if you ever watched Hitch. You know what I'm talking about, Hitch? It was like talking about dating and how we go on dates and how we act in relationships is with uh, Will Smith. Uh, well, like Will Smith and Kevin James. And so on, on his date, right, this is where we get expectations for what dating looks like. He took her to Ellis Island on a jet ski. And when they showed up to Ellis Island, like the guy there even knows his name, knows all about him. And so he kind of looks like, like this baller. So this is our expectations of what dating looks like. When I took Kristen on our first date, we went to Friday's. And I told the hostess, hey, when we walk in, pretend like you know me. You know, pretend like... I got it going on because those rom-coms set our expectations of what dating and relationships look like. But the second place we go to for what love looks like is music and the love songs that we listen to. Come on, love songs can set some unrealistic expectations for love and sex and dating. For example, Lionel Richie, I love you, but all night long? All night? Have you even had sex? It's exhausting. Come on. All night long. Right? It can set some unrealistic expectations for what our relationships look like. Or how about this one? This one's going to hurt you as much as it's going to hurt me to do it, just so you know. But we got to talk about it. So if you know the song, I need you to help me out. Ready for it? Here we go. <clears throat> Uh-oh. One, you're like a dream come true. Two, just want to be with you. Three, girl, it's plain to see that you're the only one And four, repeat steps one through three. Five, love with me. And if ever I believe my work is done, then I'll start it back at one. Right one. <laughs> hey, that sounds great. We love that song. But what did we just learn about love? Because these are the steps that we are given for love. Number one, you're a dream come true. Number two, I just want to be with you. Number three, 
You're the only one for me. Notice we have not taken any actual steps yet. Worst step of all, step four, just do it all over again. The stuff that you just did, do that again. Step five, this is really the only tangible step, but there's no instruction for how we do it. Girl, I'm just going to make you fall in love with me. And so the unrealistic expectation that this song sets is you don't have to do anything like to make love work because love is a feeling. Love is an emotion, right, after all. So if you're a dream to me, then that's all we need. Girl, just one, two, three, and we'll be fine. But can I ask you a question? What happens when she is no longer a dream to you? What happens when he is no longer a dream to you? What happens when you no longer feel it? What happens when the, the emotion's not there anymore? Because love is not just a feeling. Are you with me? And so here's the third place that we go to for our expectations on what love should look like. After the rom-coms, after the music, this is the hardest one to let go of, and that is personal experience. A lot of us have expectations on what love and relationships look like, uh, but because of the terrible experience that we've had growing up, we often allow the, the pain of the past to shape our future. Or we often don't, don't move forward in relationships because what we've experienced in the past growing up. Does that make sense? Like, for example, if you got one of those love letters, you break up letters back in the day from April, she broke up with you in third grade. Well, you've allowed that potentially to shape you. And now you've kind of, you have cold feet or you're hesitant. You maybe don't feel like you're good enough. But even on a more serious note, maybe you grew up in a home where your parents fought all the time. Maybe you grew up in a home where your dad walked out. Maybe because they had unmet, unrealistic expectations of one another that caused frustration and disappointment in the relationship. And now he walked out, and so your mom just badmouths him all the time. So that was your experience growing up. Your mom's saying, all men are cheaters. All men are dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can't trust any of them. Who told you that? Well, you learned that from your mom. Expectations of what you experienced. Or your dad, talking about your mama all the time. She's just crazy. She doesn't know what she's talking about. No, that was just your experience, but it doesn't necessarily make it true. And so we gain our expectations from our experiences. So today and for the rest of the month, we're going after some of these myths about love and relationships, some of them are going to hurt a little bit because you believe them so deeply or maybe because they've been a part of your life for such a long time, but I'm asking you again to allow the word of God to transform you from the inside out. So today, I wanna talk about the myth of happily ever after. Can we talk about it? I got some issues with this, this myth. Number one, write this down, the goal is not a happy marriage, it's a healthy marriage. And can I tell you something? There's a big difference in that. Because some people will sacrifice the health of their marriage on the altar of just being happy. For example, there is somebody in this room or watching online right now who knows you need to have a conversation with your spouse, but the reason you don't have it is because it's gonna make them unhappy. And so you are willing to sacrifice the health of your marriage on the altar of I just wanna be happy. And which, by the way, how many of you know, you're not really happy when you're doing that. Because you can't be happy while you are, are hiding things. It's just not possible. And if you would just, uh, if you focus on happiness, then you'll never be healthy. But it, I promise you, if you'll focus on being healthy, you will always be happy. It's just the way that it works. But the second issue I have with 
you know, happily ever after is this right here. It, it makes this idea that the altar is the end of it. But write this down. The altar is not the end. It's the beginning. Because I, I hate how fairy tales end. It says, and they lived happily ever after. Like they went on this big adventure in order to get together. And then they finally got to the, the wedding, you know, the, the finish line. They said, I do. And that's the end of story. Game over. Like, like that was it. But can I tell you something? Some of the greatest adventures that I've been on have been since I've been married, not just before. And so some of you single people, you need to think you, that you think you're just going to be bored when you get married. It's not true. Like there are adventures still waiting to happen in your life. But also it's, it's convenient that it says and happily ever after as if once they say I do, all the problems are over. They just live happily ever after. How many of you married people know that's not true? That's not the way it works. And while some of the greatest adventures you've gone on have been since you've been married, I am willing to bet some of the most pain and some of the pain and a lot of the hurt and the battles you have faced have also been since you have been, been married. And if you are divorced, you know this firsthand. That just because you said I do and he said I do and you thought you were gonna live happily ever after, there was more to be written and read in the story of your life. And it's caused some pain there. So it's not true, right, that the altar is, is the end of the, the story. But this is my biggest problem with happily ever after. And say amen if you can relate to this. I was happy before you got here. And so today, I'm not going to tell you how to be happily ever after. I want to teach you how to be happy right now. Like now, before that person. Like now, early on, while you are, are dating. This is going to be for everybody, but right now, how can you be happy now? And we're going to learn from uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. If you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 2, uh, we're going to be there. Adam was created in the garden, and here's something that you need to understand, is that before Eve ever came along, Adam was good. Adam was whole. God had created him, but check this out. I want to read it to you. This part won't be up on the screen, uh, but starting in verse 7 of chapter 2, it says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and he became a living person. This is the story, right, of, of Adam, the first man. Then the Lord God planted a garden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. And the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow from the ground, trees that were beautiful, that produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then it says a river flowed through it. In fact, there were four. And they kind of intersected there in the garden. And I'll skip, skip down to verse 15. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. So initially, like Adam, he's good. God gave him this garden to run around in, to play in. He gave him these rivers, these four rivers, you know, to have adventures in, to explore. He gave him fruit to have. So Adam was good, all right? Are you with me? Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Keep this verse up there, because I know a lot of you are probably saying, wait, 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 Colby, you just told me Adam was, was good. He was good before Eve got there. He was. And you know how I know? Because Adam's not the one saying that he wasn't good. Adam's not the one complaining, saying, I need somebody else. No, it was God that said, it's not good for you to be alone. Adam didn't say that. You need to be good, listen to me, before the person ever gets into your life. You should be good. 
You know why uh, he was good, by the way, is because he didn't have society pushing relationships down his throat all the time like we do. Like, you got to be together. He didn't have ads on Facebook popping up saying, hey, it's Valentine's Day coming. You know, did you remember? Did you get something for your your girlfriend or your boyfriend? He didn't have that. He didn't have those stupid quizzes popping up saying, hey, which Disney princess should you marry? (laughs) Elsa? Pocahontas? You know, Cinderella? Which one? And by the way, don't take those. Those are stupid. He didn't have that stuff. He was good before anyone told him that he needed somebody in his life to be good. You are good. You need to be good first. And so I love what God gives him because this whole idea of you complete me, this is the mentality, right, of the world that we live in, that's popular in the world. Can I tell you something? It's not in God's word. It's not in his word. The Bible doesn't talk about people completing you. Don't miss this. He talks about people helping you. It says, I will make you a helper. Somebody say help. Now say, er, I'll make you a help, er. This is why he's a him and she's a her, because she's a helper. Listen to me, God is not going to bring you the one. What God is going to bring you is your er. Because listen, guys, you, you, you might be strong. You can be strong, but you get the right woman in your life. You know, it's not gonna make you strong, but she will make you strong. He's gonna bring you the er. Ladies, you, you can be wise, right? But you get the right guy that you're gonna do life with. He's not gonna make you wise. He'll make you wise-er. Does this make sense? You, you can have a healthy relationship. You know, if you want it to be, be healthy, you can get the right person in your life, um, but the right person in your life won't make you healthy. They'll make you healthy-er. And so God's not gonna bring you the one. What God is going to bring you is the, the-er. But the bad news is this works in reverse as well. Like, for example... How many of you know if you were heavy before you got married? There's something about this ring that cuts off your metabolism. It cuts off the flow of fat cells to your body. I don't know what it is, but if you were heavy before you got married, after you get married, you're just going to get heavy. It just is it's facts, right? Listen, if, if you were broke before you started dating somebody... How many of you know after you start dating that person, you're going to be broke? Broker. I don't even know if that's a word, but it's going to work. Broker. Hey, if you were horny before you met that person, uncensored, don't you ever think that a person is going to, is going to keep you from lust issues and things that are in your life. And I'm talking to the vertical youth right now who think, well, when I get married, we're just going to have sex all the time. And, you know, that's going to be that. I won't have to deal with this anymore. I'm telling you right now, you better figure this out. Because whenever you meet that person in your life, you know, if you are already horny, they're going to make you horny. Er. It's just the truth. It's the way it is. A person doesn't complete you. What a person does is magnify what you already are in your life. And so you bring somebody into the mix. It just makes you more of that that thing. And so there are four things that God gives us before, somebody say before, before we get the er, before he brings the er in our our life. So remember, Adam was happy before Eve. And so I'm going to read this passage again. And you see all these four things before Eve came into the picture. And I'm going to give this to you the same way that I learned it um, years ago. And by the way, this isn't just for single people, but single people, before you start dating, 
you better make sure, listen to me, you have these four things. You better make sure. And if you're dating someone, before you get married, before you even get engaged to that person, you better be sure to look for these four things. If you're already married, I want to make sure that you have these four things. Otherwise, you will bring some unrealistic expectations into the relationship. And hear me, if you are thinking about divorced, getting divorced, and maybe the papers are already being filed right now, would you do me a favor and for the next few weeks just press pause? And will you go back and see if you have these four things before you finalize that, that divorce in your life? Because here's what I know. God wants us to have these before, before we have the person. Let's look at it in verse uh, 15 of Genesis chapter 2. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Somebody say, work it. I just want to hear you say, work it. And take care. No, there is a purpose. And take care of it. So number one, write this down. Um, Before I had a person, I had a purpose. Before I had a person, I had a purpose. What what did we see? He took Adam, put him in the garden, said, get to work. And you got this, you have this garden to, to cultivate. You have fruit. I need you to name some animals, right? You have a job to do. Before there was a purpose or person, he had a purpose. And the good news for somebody today is your life is not waiting to start until you find the right person. That's not how this works. Your life can start right now. And even better news for those of you that have been divorced and think, you know, your life is over now that you have lost that person. Your life is not over just because that person is no longer in your life or because someone broke your your heart. Your life does not end when you lose a person. It's not waiting to start until you find the next one because a person is not your purpose. Hear me. Hear me in the back. Hear me online. A person is not your purpose purpose. You can have a dream girl or you can have a dream guy, but you can't make a guy or a girl be the dream. You have to have a, a purpose that is bigger, you know, than, than just the, 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 the person. You have to have a dream that's bigger than just a, a person. In fact, this is the way I know how to best explain it to you. We roll that board out for me. I'm going to bring this with you. Thank you, sir. Come on. This is Xavier. Give it up for Xavier. What's up? Xavier is single, ready to mingle. No, I'm just kidding. He's in (laughs) high school. But I want to draw this up here. And the reason I'm putting this at the top is because this has to, by the way, come from God first. This is your your purpose. And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe your purpose is to be a a CEO. Maybe it's to be a, a medical doctor. Maybe it's to be an attorney. Maybe it's to be a, a um, excuse this, chicken scratch, stay-at-home mom or dad. You know, stay at home. Whatever, whatever it is, you need to know this comes from God. This is the way God wires you and designs you. And by the way, 80% of people don't know why, they're, why they are on this earth. Did you know that? Christians, they don't know their God-given design and purpose, which is why we do Explore Track, by the way, to, to lead you through that. That's not just something that we do. It's to help you discover what your purpose is, and that's happening right now. Come back next week, and, and you, can, you can go to a different time, and you can go to explore. But here's what happens is often we have a, a young man, stick figure bro, and then a, a girl, and we can tell she's a girl because she's wearing a dress. Don't even get me started. 
If you need more information on that, the girls wear dresses and boys don't, you can refer back to a series I did last year called Burning Questions, and we talk about that, all right, in, in detail, so just so you know. But what happens is through life, if you're like a lot of people, is that you kind of wander through life. Well, you know, I think I'm going to go to college, and I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to major in, you know, phys ed. No, I'm going to change my major to accounting, or no, you know, I want to go back and be uh, you know, for me, like a dolphin trainer. No, I'm going to work at the YMCA. No, I'm going to plan a church. You know, I, whatever. You know, you just kind of wander through life, you know, a little bit. And what, what happens is, is there's somebody else that's wandering through life as well. You know, I'm going to go back. And so what happens is we go forward and we go backward and we try to figure it all out. And that's okay, by the way. You need to know that. Like my son is in, in college right now as a freshman. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. That's okay. All this is hopefully leading you toward, at some point, your purpose. But what happens is, eventually, if these paths intersect right here, you can erroneously believe when you meet this person, hey, well, that must be my purpose. Because you don't know. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you have been designed and called to do. And so now, all of a sudden, that person becomes your, your purpose. And so this person says they don't know what they're doing either. They're just kind of wandering through life. You become their purpose as well. And when a person is your purpose, you're putting something on them that they were never meant to carry, that they could never potentially carry in your, your life. And so together, this does not lead here. You know where this wandering kind of leads to? It leads to this, resentment. Why? Because you arrive here, there's frustration because you weren't sure what your purpose is, and now you kind of feel like the direction, and maybe this isn't the person. And if you're asking, well, Colby, when, how do I know if I'm ready to date someone is when you understand that you want to put a purpose before a person. How do I know if I'm going to get engaged to this person and marry this person? Well, when you have put your purpose in front of that person, like in your life, are you going the, the same direction? Or, or what happens is this. Oh, I had an eraser. Here it is. Say, for example... Say you know your purpose. You're like, I know God created me to be, you know, a CEO. And so you're like, you're headed this way. And you know, maybe, you, maybe you backtrack a little bit, but ultimately you know where you're going. This person who's wandering through life, you might meet them here. And what happens is you never get here because they hijack your purpose. Because you think, well, I'm going to follow this person instead. And you know what that leads to is resentment as well. Because here's what you're thinking is, well, you kept me from becoming this, you kept me from, from being a CEO. You kept me, I was, I was gonna be an astronaut and you kept me from being an astronaut. No, your grades kept you from being an astronaut probably. But this also leads to resentment. And so many times, even if you got married and you were kind of wondering, you know what people think? Oftentimes they get divorced because they think they got the wrong per person. You didn't find the wrong per person. You got the wrong purpose. Some of you that are thinking, well, I'm in the wrong relationship. No, you're not. You're not, the, you're not married to the wrong person. You're just, you're following after the wrong purpose in your life. And what happens is, if not, neither one of you know, so I'm going to add another one in here. Serve God. If neither one of you know where you are going, but you know that ultimately you're going to serve God, you're like, I know that God created me. I know that God made me. I know that he knit me in my mother's womb. He, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I'm gonna do what he's created me to do. I don't even know what it is. 
necessarily. And that's where a lot of you are, and that's okay. But, I'm, but I at least know this, that I'm going to serve God. Well, when you run into this person here as well, you can say, hey, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I do know that I'm serving God. And if you're gonna serve God, then I'm down. Then we could ride this out together and see where this goes. But if you're not gonna serve God, then let's call it now so that we can be, you know, saved years and years of therapy and heartache and broken, you know, hearts along the way because this is ultimately what God wants me to do is serve him. I might not even know exactly. You can take this away, Xavier, who's single, ready to mingle. And what happens is, is that we don't follow our purpose. And it gets hijacked along the way, and we complain along the way, and we get angry at that person. Don't get angry at them, just be accountable that you decide to forfeit your purpose by following a person. And by the way, sidebar, this does not just apply to romantic relationships. Mom and dad, this applies to you as well, and to your kids. Because when you were called to be a mom, that doesn't mean God stopped calling you to be a missionary. For some parents, you know, they think, well, I, I had kids and I guess I'm done. I want to speak to some moms in the room. You're not done. Like God still has ministry in your life. God still has purpose in your life. God still has something for you to do. Your kids are not the fulfillment of your purpose. They are a part of it. And so don't, you know, things change with kids. I get it, but your purpose doesn't. Are you with me? Your purpose doesn't change. So before there was a person, I had a purpose. I had a purpose. Genesis 2.16, it says, and the Lord God commanded somebody say commanded commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it you will certainly die write this down before I had a companion I had a command command I had God's word that he gave me a command know what Adam didn't say back to God well God if you really love me you let me eat that fruit God if you really love me then you'd be fine with just the, the way that I, I am. You would love me for who I am, but can I tell you something? That's not love. That's not love. Love is not you doing whatever you want, whenever you want. Love is not, this is the way I feel, and because this is the way I feel, you know, then this is who I am. It's okay to live this way because God is love, and, and this is how I am, and that's what our world teaches, by the way. It's a myth. It's a myth that when someone falls in love with me, they need to love me with all my issues and everything. Like they just need to love me just the way that I am. If you love me, then don't ever ask me to change. If you love me, then this is just who, who I am. Now, if you mean, uh, you would say, well, if you love me, you need to love the way that God created me, you know, with my, my big toe smaller than my second toe, that's fine. We can't, you know, we're not changing that unless you like get that chopped, I guess, or something. Like just wear some socks. But if what you mean to say is you need to love me the way I am with my bad attitude, you need to love me just the way I am with my wandering eye, with my lust issues, with my sin issues, no. That's not what God's word says. In fact, that bad attitude didn't come from God, that came from your mama. Don't put that on God. And I got issues with that. The first one is this, that God did not give you that. The second one, though, is also love is not an excuse not to change. It's not an excuse not to grow. It's not an excuse not to follow God's will and word in our, our life, but we have this idea that if you love me, you're gonna love me just as I am, all my curves and all my edges, all my perfect imperfections, right? I see what you did there, John Legend. 
But if we were to actually change that song to reflect reality, can I tell you something? It's not as romantic anymore. All right, I'm going to try. You ready for it? Because all of me loves all of you, all your abuse and your addiction, all your sleeping with other women. Even when I lose, I'm winning. No, you're just losing. You're losing. But we have this idea that, well, you have to love all of me. Issues and all. Wandering eye, gambling addictions, pornography addictions, all of it, all my vices. No, it's not what God's word says. You're to love them so much that you understand you have things in your life that have to work out that need to change because that person is worth changing for. That person is worth loving that way. I'm talking to somebody in a marriage right now who's saying, you know what, they just don't love me for who I am. They're not supposed to. They're not supposed to love you for that bad attitude. They're not supposed to love you for all those issues that you, you have. Well, where is that in the Bible? Jesus. Jesus changed for you. Jesus was in heaven. He was an internal being in heaven, and he came down to earth, put a flesh suit on to walk and do life just as you and I would because that's how much he loves you and went to the cross for you. Jesus did that for us. So we are able to change, change. It's a command. We follow God's commands. I didn't say this was easy. This is hard to do. But he gave us the commands for a reason. The command he gave us to, to not have sex before we were married. Do you know why he gave that to us? So that we would learn not to have sex outside of our marriage when we became married. They got real quiet on that. We're going to talk about that next week. Come on back. Before I had a companion, I had a command. Let's follow God's word. Keep reading verse 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave all the names to the livestock, the birds in the, uh, in the sky and the wild animals. But for Adam, somebody say Adam. Adam means man. All right, so he's the first man. That's literally what the word means. First one with a name. It means man, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Write this down. Before I had intimacy, I had an identity. So before Eve came into the picture, Adam was already Adam. Adam was a man. He didn't need another person to give him his identity. He already had his identity before, somebody say before, before she ever showed up. So let me talk to the guys right here. Guys, you don't need a woman in order to be a man. Woman doesn't make you a man. And I get it. We see movies like James Bond movies and all that stuff. And at the end, they do all the cool stuff. And he gets the girls, right? But you don't need a woman in order to be a man. A woman might make you feel manlier, but she didn't make you a man. Listen, I love it when my wife comes by and she pats me on the butt. I love it. When she says, you look good, slaps me on the butt. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I like it, but she didn't make me a man. She didn't make me. She's appreciating what God made. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but she didn't make me a man. Are you with me? You don't need a woman in order to be a man. So let's take this uncensored. You don't have to sleep around with multiple women to feel like a man. You don't have to do it. 
You don't have to feel like women are some territory that you have to conquer in order to feel like, like a man. You were already a man. That was your identity. Can I talk to the ladies? This one's going to hurt a little. Because your creation story is a little different from Adam. Keep reading. It says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her. Somebody say brought her. So God brought her to the man. So when Adam woke up from his God-induced, you know, anesthesia, the first person he saw was Eve. Right? It was Eve. And by the way, she was naked. They were naked together at the beginning. So imagine he wakes up from this and he sees this naked woman. And he's like, dang, all right, let's go. How are you doing? Whatever he said, I don't know. But who did Eve see first? Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man and he brought her. So the first person Adam saw when he woke up was Eve, but the first person Eve saw was God, which also means the first person to see Eve was not Adam, was God. The first person to see Eve was not a man, which means Adam, right? Adam means man. It was God. So ladies, I'm coming for you right here. You were seen before a man ever saw you. Therefore, you do not need the attention of a man in order to be a woman, you don't need it. You don't need it. And I, and I get it. You know, we see the stories in Cinderella and, you know, she had to have the glass slippers and her hair all done up and the blue dress and the, the pumpkin and all that stuff. But you don't need the attention of a man in order to get your, your prince charming, right? And I'm not, this is not a, an anti-woman beauty kind of message. It's not that, that's not it at all. Do your makeup. Get your hair done. Like, get your nails done. Whatever you like to do that kind of like make, makes yourself feel good about you, that's fine. Just don't do it to be seen by a guy, to be seen by a man. In fact, let me make it even more plain. You don't have to wear next to nothing in order to get the attention of a guy. And I know why you do it. Because on some levels it works. But can I tell you something? If that's the bait that you are using, don't be surprised at the kind of fish that you're gonna catch with that. I'm just telling you right now, they are going to be the, the bottom feeder trash fish at the club that you're catching. And then you go complain saying, well, guys are pigs. They just want one thing. You're just dressing for the one thing. You don't need to be seen by a man because you are already seen by God more than you can imagine who loves you, who the moment you were created says you are beautiful. You are a masterpiece just as you are. You don't need the attention of a man to be a woman. You're already a a woman. Does that make sense? So we talked about purpose and how we need to follow God's purpose first and foremost. I know I'm going over time. We have to follow God's commands for our, our life. Are you following them now? Are you following them now? Because if you're not following them now while you're searching around for your purpose, I'm telling you, it's not going to get easier when you find that person. It's going to be more difficult. In fact, some of your marriages right now, they're on the rocks because one of you is trying to follow the commands of God and the other isn't. And it's not going to work. You need to follow the commands God gives us about your identity. You know, is your identity in the one who found you and created you, the one who first laid eyes on you? Your identity needs to be in him first. Here's the last thing, Ben. You can come help me. Genesis 2.21. 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, somebody say sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh, and we read this, and he brings Eve before Adam. But here's the thing I want to get you, write this down. Before I had a relationship, I had rest. We try so hard to fix what's broken. In the marriage, we try so hard to search for the right person and to date and to, and I get it. Like, it, it takes work to do. I understand that. But did anyone notice Adam found the one when he stopped working and he started resting? Resting in, in God and resting in and trusting in what God had for him. The Bible says while he was sleeping, the woman came. And you can only receive rest if you stop being restless. There are some single people in the room that you have a hard time being single. In fact, as soon as one relationship ends, you can't go six months or six weeks, maybe even six days without another one because you are, are restless. But can I tell you something? If you can't stay in a dating relationship, what makes you think you'll be able to stay in a marriage? And there's some married couples in the room that you have been fighting. Maybe you've been in an all-out battle and war, and you're going to come to every message in the series. You're going to get some extra resources. Maybe you're coming to marriage nights, and you're working through that as well. Can I beg you, after you do the work, can you let God work? Can you rest? Because here's what you need to know. You can't change him. You can't change her. Only God has the ability to do that. And so you better make sure that you do all that you can do, but then you rest and you trust and you make sure you have a purpose that you're running after and you make sure that you're following the commands that God gives us in his word and you make sure that your identity is not in a person, but it's in the one who created you. And then at the end of the day, when you've done all that you can do, man, just rest, just rest. I think about the story of Boaz and Ruth and Naomi Boaz just working out in the field, just doing his thing, what God had called him to do when he sees her. Would you just do what God's called you to do? And as you do, I believe that's when God will bring your er, <laughs> your er. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. And then we're going to worship. With every head bowed, you need to understand that all of this happens as we first trust in God. And our firm foundation is in him because everything else that he wants to build in our life starts there, starts there. And maybe some of you know without a shadow of a doubt, you are not right with God. You're not right. You've been doing life your own way. You've been making your own decisions. You haven't been following his commands for sure. Maybe you don't even know what your purpose is. I'm just telling you, you can't get it unless you first have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And the way we do that is we receive the sacrifice of Jesus for us. Because the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, which we all are, Jesus died on the cross for us. He was our substitute on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to pay an awful price. That he paid it for us. And the worst thing you can possibly do is to pay for something that's already been paid for. And the way you receive that payment is put it by putting your faith in Jesus. 
saying, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and I'm gonna live for you. In fact, I wanna lead you in a prayer that does just that with every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe this is why you're here to first get this right so that it can build and your relationships can build strong and healthy out of it. If you've never crossed that line of faith and trusted Jesus, or maybe you did a long time ago and you know you're far from God, but you're coming back home right now. When I pray this prayer, you're gonna say, Colby, I'm praying right along with you with every head bowed. Would you lift up your hand? I wanna see who I'm praying with today. Come on, hold it high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, there's just so many, just a sea of hands across this room. Saying, I need to make sure I get this right. My relationship with Jesus right first. Awesome, you put your hands down. I wanna pray this with you out loud. Come on, we're gonna pray it together as a church, putting our faith in him. You can say this, Jesus, today, I give you my life. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And so I put my trust in you to save me. I repent. And by the way, I'm we'll press pause in this prayer. That just means you're gonna stop doing that thing. And you're gonna allow the spirit of God inside of you to help you go the opposite way. So say this again, I repent and I'm gonna follow you. You are my Lord, you are my savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.